June 1st, John chapter 20, verses 1 through 31. Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple ran to the tomb to see. The other disciple outran Peter and got there first. He stooped and looked in, and saw the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying to the side. Then the other disciple also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then they hadn't realized that the Scripture said he would rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels sitting at the head and foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. "'Why are you crying?' the angels asked her. "'Because they have taken away my Lord,' she replied, "'and I don't know where they have put him.' She glanced over her shoulder and saw someone standing behind her. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. "'Why are you crying?' Jesus asked her. "'Who are you looking for?' She thought he was the gardener. "'Sir,' she said, "'if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him.' "'Mary,' Jesus said. She turned toward him and exclaimed, "'Teacher!' "'Don't cling to me,' Jesus said, "'for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God.' Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. That evening, on the first day of the week, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he held out his hands for them to see, and he showed them his side. They were filled with joy when they saw their Lord. He spoke to them again and said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you refuse to forgive them, they are unforgiven. One of the disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the Twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. He said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who haven't seen me and believe anyway.
Jesus' disciples saw him do many other miraculous signs besides the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life. There will be no cowards in heaven. I heard that over and over this week. There will be no cowards in heaven. Doesn't mean we don't get scared every once in a while, but that's not the spirit he put in us. He doesn't allow us to be cowards. That's why, like I shared last week, when I heard about the inner city and I thought, oh, I'm scared. That didn't sit well with me. I'm not supposed to be scared. So let's be fearless before the Lord. He didn't give me that spirit. It didn't sit right with me. He, he says there in Revelation 21, man, it's great. He goes, the one who conquers, the, the, the one who, who overcomes. He says, I'll be his God. He'll be my son. See, the strong ones, the ones that conquer those fears, the ones that conquer, you know, their temptations, that conquer their doubts. He says, those are my children. But then the first thing he says in verse 8, he goes, but as for the cowardly, as for the cowardly, the ones who are scared, you're too scared to follow me? You're too scared to name my name? That Jesus says this. Jesus says, "Why why are you scared of people? You're scared of people? He goes, why would you fear them? I believe it's Matthew 10. He says, he says, all they can do is kill you. He goes, I can kill you and then send your soul to hell. He goes, don't you think you should fear me more? There will be no cowards in heaven. He says, the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Look, I was very sad about this morning until I started reading this passage. And then I thought, you know what? This is a little goodbye for a short period of time on the earth. And what this passage is talking about is something that is far sadder. Okay, but I think, man, even if there's one person in this room who if you were to die today and you have never confessed Jesus, you've never really lived for him, then you are going to spend an eternity apart from God. And I just began dwelling on that because I can't imagine that. I can't imagine being apart from God forever and then in a place of torment, what this place calls, which is a, which is a lake that burns with fire and sulfur. That's not an immediate end. It's, it's this torment day and night forever and ever. It says where, where you'll want to die, but you're not allowed to. And, and so, so what am I going to be sad about? That I won't see some of you for, for a few years? Yes, it is sad. But the thought of any one of you. I, see, I don't want to look back on even this moment with regret. And go, man, you're all about saying goodbye and everything else. And there are people in that room that we're going to say goodbye to for eternity. It didn't, it didn't make sense to me. It made all the sense in the world to tell you, man, I don't want you to die that way. I don't, I I can't bear the thought of it ending that way. Because you held on to something that you thought was more valuable than Jesus. You thought, well, because the way she looked or the way, you know, you guys just got along so well that suddenly that's more important than this? And this, this eternity with God? Or, or whether it was your money and your comforts and you just go, no, I don't want to just 
follow God. I, I, I got to keep this certain standard of living. I got to have this stuff. I want this. I want that. And you're not willing to let go. Well, whatever addiction it is, it's in your life. That God would give you, he promised he'll give you the power over those things. If you'll trust him. If you'll let go. But at some point in your life, you've got to believe that he is more valuable than all of that. That he's worth it. And he says, because, you know, it's, it's the liars, he says. The liars, they're, they're the ones that, that are in this room. Some of you are in this room where you've got us all fooled. Congratulations. You know, you seem like a Christian to us. You seem like you've surrendered your life, but you know when you go to bed at night that you haven't. And he says right there, here's your place. It's going to be in that lake of fire. There will be no cowards in heaven. And that's why I refuse to be one. 